Hello, before we get to Jack and Annie, um, I would like to say that I am a kindergarten teacher and I have not had my hair cut since October of 2019 because of the pandemic. In order to raise money for the San Antonio Food Bank, my kindergarten class is going to cut my hair. On June 1st, for the first time in over a year and a half, five and six-year-olds are going to give me whatever haircut they decide they think I need. We are doing this to raise money for the food bank. If you are in a position in your life where you can afford to donate as little as $5, as much as you are able to, um, we would love it. We are trying to make a difference in the world. You can go to the website my.safoodbank.org slash Mr. Mr. Jason my.safoodbank.org slash Mr. Jason. There's a picture of me on that site. You can donate there. There's information about my class and all of that stuff. So anyways, that is it. I'm done taking up your time. On to Jack and Annie. Thank you. Chapter six, Escape. Upstairs, cried Rose. Holding Lily in her arms, she splashed across the parlor to the stairway. Jack grabbed his knapsack and hurried up the steps after Annie and Rose. When they reached the second floor hallway, Jack heard glass shatter below. He looked down the stairs. The first floor windows had broken. Water covered the parlor floor and was rising fast. A chunk of the upstairs ceiling crashed to the floor of the hallway. It barely missed them. This way, shouted Rose. Be careful. Still carrying Lily, Rose led Jack and Annie into a dark bedroom. She shut the door. There, she said. Shutting out the hurricane was impossible though. The windows in the bedroom were broken. Glass was everywhere. Wind and rainwater swirled in. Jagged pieces of roof shingles blew inside. Get down! Cover your heads! Rose cried. Shielding Lily, Rose knelt between the wall and the bed. Jack and Annie crouched behind her. The baby buried her face against Rose. The house swayed back and forth. Jack felt water under his feet. It was seeping under the bedroom door. We need to get higher, said Rose. The roof! How? said Jack. Follow me, said Rose. Carrying Lily, she led Jack and Annie out of the bedroom. The rising seawater had reached the upstairs hall. Rain was pouring through a giant hole in the roof. If we can just get up there, on the roof, we can get above the water, said Rose. We can climb on furniture, said Annie. Good, said Rose. The dresser, the chest, the chair. Jack and Annie pushed a tall dresser under the hole in the ceiling. They hoisted a chair on top of the dresser. Then they pushed a blanket chest against the dresser to help them climb up. Rose, you go first, said Jack. Use the chest to get up onto the dresser. Then use the chair to get to the roof. Once you're safe, we'll hand Lily up. Annie took the baby from Rose. She whispered softly to her as Rose climbed from the chest onto the top of the dresser. Careful, said Jack. Rose then climbed onto the chair. She grabbed the edge of the torn roof and hauled herself up. Now Lily, she called to Jack and Annie. Jack climbed up on the chest, then the dresser. Then he stood up on the chair and reached down as Annie held the baby up to him. The baby was heavier than Jack had expected. He steadied himself on the chair, then lifted Lily up toward Rose. Jack held the baby as high as he could. Rose grabbed Lily and pulled her onto the roof. You go next, Jack said to Annie. He stepped off the chair. Annie climbed onto the dresser. Jack held the chair steady as she pulled herself up onto the roof. Jack followed. He stood on the chair and peered above the roof. The wind and rain pounded him. He felt the chair shaking. The dresser shook too. The whole house was shaking. With no time to think, Jack gripped the edge of the broken roof and pulled himself up. 
He joined the others on the wind-blown, soggy rooftop. Battered by wind and rain, they all crouched around the baby. They held each other tightly. The house shook beneath them. How can we get to high ground? Jack shouted. I don't know, said Rose. Jack looked around. In the last light of early evening, all of Galveston seemed covered by water. Suddenly, there was a loud crack. The house was sliding off its pillars. It was splitting in two. Rose cried out. Jack and Annie clung more tightly to her and Lily. There were more loud cracking sounds. Half of the house crumbled into the churning seawater. The roof over the other half broke completely free of the house with all of them on it. Hang on, cried Annie. Jack and Annie held on to Rose and Lily as the wind pushed the roof onto the floodwaters. Lily let out a wail. Rose started singing. Her voice was surprisingly strong. Annie began singing along. Hush, little baby, don't say a word. Papa's gonna buy you a mockingbird. As their voices rose above the wind, Jack saw crumbling buildings. He saw people floating on mattresses, on boards, and even in wash tubs. Jack heard cries of help from survivors on rooftops. He saw others hanging onto tree limbs. He wished he and Annie could help everyone, but there was no way to steer the roof raft. Every time the wind shifted, the direction of the waves shifted with it. The rooftop kept turning and moving with the storm waters. Lily finally fell asleep. Rose and Annie stopped singing. Where are we? asked Annie. Rose looked around in the dim light. She gasped. The gulf! I think we're heading toward the gulf! she cried. The gulf? said Jack. You mean we might end up out in the ocean? Oh no! said Annie. But the wind shifted again. The water current changed. The roof spun around and began moving in another direction. Jack didn't know what to do, except hang on to the others. Are you both all right? Rose asked. I'm good, said Jack. Me too, said Annie. Are you okay, Rose? I don't know, she said. I can't figure out what to do. There's nothing we can do, said Annie. We have to wait for it all to end. I think you're right, Annie, said Rose. <clears throat> Adrift on the black floodwaters, the roof raft rose and fell with the waves. Storm wreckage crashed against it, but the current kept pushing the raft through the wreckage. Jack and Annie held on tightly to Rose as she cradled the baby. Drifting through the storm, they all rocked back and forth together. After a while, Jack gave in to his tiredness. His head nodded, his eyes started to close. Chapter seven, A Safe Place. Jack, Jack, are you awake? said Annie. Jack blinked a few times. What? he asked groggily. It was dark and the night was still. The rain had stopped. The water was calm. Branches and boards gently bumped against the roof raft. Look at that castle, said Annie. What castle, said Rose. What castle, echoed Jack. In a daze, he looked around at the darkness. Over there, said Annie. A full moon peeked out from the clouds. Moonlight shone on castle towers rising above the water. Oh man, said Jack. Is that a real castle? No, I'm afraid not, said Rose. It's a school run by Catholic nuns. It's called the Ursuline Academy. Ursuline Academy, said Jack. He sat straight up, fully awake. Ursuline Academy, exclaimed Annie. I don't believe it. What, why, asked Rose. That's a safe place, said Annie. We read about it in our Texas book. People survived the hurricane there. What are you talking about, said Rose. Annie, you're remembering the description in our guidebook, 
Jack said quickly. The book just said it was a tall, sturdy building. You must have dreamed the rest. Oh, right, Annie said. I dreamed it, but it definitely looks like a tall, sturdy place, doesn't it? It looks dark, said Rose. I know, said Annie, but I'll bet lots of people are inside the Ursuline Academy, and I feel like they're safe. I'm feeling that too, said Jack. I think we should go there. But how do we get there, said Rose. Jack and I can get in the water and push the roof, said Annie. We're good swimmers. Oh, no, no, that's too dangerous, said Rose. There's wreckage everywhere. Maybe we can use some of it, said Annie. What do you mean, said Rose. We could try to find something to use as paddles, said Annie. Good idea, said Jack. He and Annie leaned over the edge of the raft, searching the water. Jack lifted up part of a chair. Annie retrieved a torn basket. These won't work, said Jack. They put them back into the water. Hey, this might, said Annie. She hauled a flat wooden fence picket onto the raft. Try it, said Jack. Annie knelt on the roof. She pushed the narrow slat through the water. The raft moved, but only a little. We need a second paddle, said Annie, for the other side. Look, a broom, said Jack. He lifted a broomstick out of the water. A flat bundle of wet straw was tied tightly at the end. Jack pushed the straw end of the broom through the water. At the same time, Annie pushed with her fence paddle. We're moving, said Rose. Jack and Annie kept paddling the raft toward the moonlit towers of the Ursuline Academy. As they drew closer, they saw that the massive building was partly damaged. Its tall, arched windows were smashed. But suddenly, a light appeared. Hello, Rose shouted. Hello, a woman called back. Is it safe inside? Rose called. I have children with me. Yes, we can help, the woman called. Jack and Annie kept paddling their roof raft through the water. When they got nearer to the academy, Jack could see two women at the window. Both were dressed in black robes with large white collars. Their heads were covered. Jack realized that they must be Catholic nuns. The younger woman held a lantern. The older one was leaning out the window. Keep paddling. You're going to make it, she called to them. Oh my, that's Mother Mary Joseph, said Rose. Who is she? asked Annie. Mother Mary Joseph is in charge of the school and all the nuns. She is much loved in Galveston, said Rose. The raft finally reached the window. Jack grabbed the windowsill to hold the floating roof steady. The younger nun held the lantern. Mother Mary Joseph helped Rose and Lily climb through the window. You go next, Jack said to Annie. Annie crawled through the window. Then she grabbed the edge of the roof raft. She held it steady while, while Jack climbed inside the building. We're safe, said Annie. Jack took a deep breath. They were in a long hallway with dark wooden walls. Welcome, all of you said Mother Mary Joseph. Sister Agnes will stay here with the lantern while I take you to the auditorium. But first you children must put shoes on your feet. Our hallway is littered with broken glass. The nun reached into a bag and pulled out two pairs of shoes. They were both black lace-ups. Jack and Annie each took a pair and put them on. Jack's shoes were too long and too narrow. They looked silly on him. Rose laughed. It was good to hear her laugh, Jack thought. He laughed with her. At least they'll protect your feet, Rose said. Come, said Mother Mary Joseph. As he walked down the hallway, every step in the tight shoes was painful for Jack. Mother Mary Joseph led them into an auditorium. The huge room was filled with hundreds of people. Oil lamps cast shadows on men, women, and children. Everyone looked weary. Their clothes were torn and wet. Oh, so many people, said Rose. Yes, said Sister Mary Joseph. 
They're from every walk of life, rich, poor, black, white, young, and old. Some have lost members of their family. Many have wounds or broken bones. All of them are refugees from the storm. Chapter eight, lighting the way. Oh my, you've saved them all, said Rose. They saved themselves, said Mother Mary Joseph. They all worked hard to make their way here and they're still being brave and strong. Even some with injuries are trying to help others. Of course, said Rose, smiling. Texans are at their best when things look the worst. That's true. Come with me, said Mother Mary Joseph. I'll take you to the supplies in the front. We can find dry clothes for the baby there. Oh, thank you, Rose said. And dry clothes for Jack and Annie too, please. Oh no, we're fine, said Jack. We want to help too, Annie said to Mother Mary Joseph. What can we do? The nun smiled. Perhaps you could try cheering up some of the smaller children, she said. They are all very frightened by the storm. Okay, we're pretty good at cheering people up, said Annie. Wonderful, said Mother Mary Joseph. <clears throat> then she turned to Rose. Come, dear, let's find something dry for your beautiful child. Thank you, said Rose. Carrying Lily, she followed Mother Mary Joseph to the front of the auditorium. Where to? Jack said to Annie. I guess we should just wander around and see who needs us, said Annie. She led the way down a crowded aisle to a far corner of the auditorium. There, some nuns were taking care of the injured. A woman with her arm in a sling was trying to calm her fussy baby. Annie knelt beside her. Can I sing to your baby? She asked the injured mother. Maybe that will calm him down. Oh yes, please, the woman said. Annie picked up the baby and rocked him. She sang, hush little baby, don't say a word. Papa's gonna buy you a mockingbird. The baby smiled at her. Annie kept singing. If that mockingbird don't sing, Papa's gonna buy you a diamond ring. Jack heard a faint cry from nearby. Rose? As Annie kept singing, Jack looked around at all the injured people. Who said Rose, he wondered. The cry came again, louder than the first one. Rose! Jack saw a young man lying on a blanket. His arms were bandaged. His leg was in a splint. Jack's heart pounded. He hurried over to the man and knelt down. Are you looking for Rose? He asked. Rose, she's singing. Lily, the man said. Are you Lucas? Said Jack. Yes, the man said weakly. Oh, wow. Hold on, said Jack. I'll be right back. Jack hurried to Annie. She had rocked the baby to sleep, but was still singing softly. I found Rose's husband, Jack said. See the man over there with the hurt leg? He heard you singing that song. I heard him call Rose. Oh, oh, said Annie. Get Rose. Bring her here. Jack hurried to the front of the auditorium. He found Rose with Lily and Mother Mary Joseph. Rose, we found Lucas, Jack cried. Oh, Rose cried out. She and Mother Mary Joseph followed Jack through the auditorium to the corner with all the wounded people. Annie was sitting beside Lucas now. His eyes were closed. Lucas! Clutching Lily, Rose fell to her knees. She touched the man's bruised face. Lily started to cry. Lucas opened his eyes. He smiled, and in a whispery voice, he sang, Hush, little baby, don't say a word. Papa's gonna buy you a mockingbird. Lily stopped crying. She reached out to Lucas. He took her tiny hand and kissed it. Papa, the baby said, and she laughed. Oh, Lucas, said Rose. She was laughing and crying at the same time. Lucas reached out to her. 
Rose took his hand and pressed it against her wet cheek. I was so worried about you, she said. I'll be fine, said Lucas. Darling, our house is gone. We've lost everything, said Rose. No, we haven't, said Lucas. We still have each other. How did you get here? As Rose began telling Lucas about their journey, Mother Mary Joseph turned to Jack and Annie. Rose spoke of your great courage and kind hearts, she said. I'm glad you found the way here. I fear few others will be able to find us in the dark. Why? said Jack. They will have no light to lead them. We have very little oil left for our lamps, said the nun. We must use what we have to light the auditorium. Annie gasped. Softly, she recited, For those in the dark, adrift and astray, a single bright star can show them the way. Oh, oh, said Jack. He'd forgotten all about their star necklace. He turned to Mother Mary Joseph. Can you take us back to Sister Agnes? If you like, she said, looking puzzled. She led Jack and Annie out of the auditorium and down the hall. Sister Agnes was still holding her lantern at the window. The flame was about to go out. We have something that might help, Annie said. Annie took off the star necklace. She reached up and hooked the chain over the window frame. The star dangled in the breeze coming from outside. Its tiny light was no more than the flame of a birthday candle. What a lovely thought, Mother Mary Joseph said to Annie. A lone star, just like our Texas star. Shall we go back to the others now? Sister Agnes gasped. The light of the tiny lone star was glowing brighter and brighter and brighter until the hallway was filled with golden light. The light from the star shone through all the broken windows and out over the storm waters as far as the eye could see. Chapter 9, It's Gone What a wonderful mystery, Mother Mary Joseph said softly. Your light shines for all those who need us. Who are you? Sister Agnes said in a hushed voice. Angels? Annie laughed. No, we're tourists, she said. Faint voices came from across the dark waters. Hello, anyone there? Yes, Annie called back from the window. This way. Jack and Annie worked with Sister Agnes and Mother Mary Joseph for the rest of the night. They all helped storm refugees find their way to the Ursuline Academy. They called out again and again, urging them to come toward the light. Jack and Annie helped people climb through the window. They led them to the auditorium. They gave them shoes and blankets. They were never too tired to lend a hand. Just before dawn, the water started going down. By the first light of morning, Jack saw that the flood waters had flowed back out to sea like water draining from a bathtub. The great Galveston hurricane was over. Sunlight streamed in. Morgan's tiny star sparkled in the window. The glass star was just a glass star again. Annie took the necklace down and put it around her neck. Oh no, said Jack, looking out the window. Not one building was left standing between the academy and the waterfront. The ground was covered with pools of muddy brown water and mounds of trash. Bells began to ring from the chapel. A new day is beginning, Mother Mary Joseph said. Yes, said Annie. Deadly storms are terrible, said Mother Mary Joseph, but they always end. Then you start over and you look at the world a little differently. Yes, said Jack. He was suddenly so tired he couldn't think straight. You both must lie down and rest now, said the nun. You can sleep in my room. Thanks, 
said Annie, but we have to find our parents right away so they'll know we're safe. Please tell Rose, Lily, and Lucas goodbye for us. Of course, said the nun. I will. And thank Rose for taking good care of us, said Jack. Tell her not to worry. We know how to find our mom and dad. Are you certain you know where they are? The nun asked. Yes, we just have to get back to Avenue L near 25th Street, said Annie. Is that far from here? Jack asked Mother Mary Joseph. Oh no, it's very close, she answered. Only two blocks north. Thanks, said Annie. Mother Mary Joseph looked worried. Are you positive you can find your parents? She asked. No question about it, Annie said. You'll come right back here if you don't find them, the nun said. Promise? Promise, said Jack and Annie together. Mother Mary Joseph led Jack and Annie down the stairs to the first level of the building. All the windows were broken and all the doors had been blown away. The storm water had drained out, leaving muddy puddles on the stone floor. Mother Mary Joseph stopped in the open entranceway. Thank you for all your help and for your guiding light, she said. Thank you for helping us, said Annie. You remind me of a good friend of ours named Morgan. Me too, said Jack. Mother Mary Joseph smiled. Be careful, my friends. She bowed her head and then left them. Mother Mary Joseph was the hero Morgan wanted us to learn from, said Annie. Right, said Jack. He quoted from Morgan's rhyme. Learn from a hero who's humble and brave, who welcomes the hundreds arriving on waves. Look her up in our Texas book, said Annie. I'm afraid it's ruined, Jack said. He pulled off his knapsack and took out the Texas book. It was soaking wet. All the pages were stuck together. Oh, too bad, said Annie. Jack put the book back into his knapsack. Let's go, he said. Then he and Annie headed out of the Ursuline Academy. They took each other's hands and began slogging through the mud. As they walked up 25th Street, Jack looked straight ahead. He tried not to think about the destroyed city and the mounds of wreckage. Instead, Jack kept his mind on home, on the Frog Creek woods and their house and their mom and dad. He thought of Morgan Le Fay and Merlin in the Magic Tree House. Soon, Jack and Annie turned onto Avenue L. All the houses had been torn apart on that street too. Only a few walls and chimneys remained. There's the iron fence, said Annie. They walked through the open gateway of the fence into the muddy yard. Annie gasped. It's gone, she said. I know, said Jack. We were there with Rose when her house was destroyed. No, not Rose's house, said Annie. Our house is gone. She pointed to the remains of an oak tree. That was our tree. The trunk was split in two. All the upper branches were gone. And so was the magic tree house. Chapter 10, Hurricane Heroes. Jack stared at the bare broken tree. He couldn't believe it. It's gone, he said in a whisper. Wait, said Annie, is that it? She pointed to a pile of muddy boards jammed against the iron fence. Maybe, said Jack, what's left of it? He and Annie stepped over to the ruins of the treehouse. The floor was covered with brown mud. The roof was missing. Three of the four walls had caved in. Jack started to lift one of the fallen walls. Hold on, said Annie. She reached under the wall and pulled out their wet Pennsylvania book. Oh no, it's ruined too, said Jack. Wait, said Annie. She carefully peeled apart some pages. Here's the photo of the Frog Creek Woods. She showed Jack the smeared page. That's all we need. Get in the treehouse. Are you crazy? Said Jack. Just get in, 
said Annie. There's no inn to get into, Annie, said Jack. Fine, then we'll just sit on the floor, said Annie. Holding the book, Annie sat down on the muddy floor. Jack sat beside her. He'd gotten so used to being wet and grimy that he didn't even think about the mud. Annie pointed at the smeared photo of Frog Creek. I wish we could go there, she said. Nothing happened. Jack put his head in his hands. I wish we could go there, Annie shouted. Jack felt the floor of the treehouse start to move. Whoa, he said. He couldn't believe it. The wind started to blow. The treehouse started to spin. It spun faster and faster. Then everything was still. Absolutely still. Tap, tap, tap. A breeze blew through the window of the treehouse. Rain splashed softly against the oak leaves. We're home, Annie said. Jack looked around. As always, no time at all had passed in Frog Creek. Jack and Annie were wearing their own dry, comfortable clothes and shoes again. The canvas knapsack had changed into Jack's backpack. The Pennsylvania book lay on the clean wooden floor. It was in perfect shape. Best of all, the treehouse had a window again and four walls and a roof. I didn't know if the magic in the treehouse could fix the treehouse itself, said Jack. I was pretty sure it could, said Annie. Of course you were, said Jack, smiling. Come on, let's hurry home. Wait, I want to look in the Texas book one more time, said Annie. It was ruined by water damage, remember, said Jack. Yep, said Annie, but I'll bet it's fine now. Jack pulled their Texas book out of his backpack. The book was as good as new. Yay, Annie said. You were right, said Jack. He handed her the book. Annie looked in the index. Here, she said. She turned to the right page. Oh, wow, listen to this, she read aloud. Mother Mary Joseph was an outstanding hero of the great Galveston hurricane of 1900. When the storm hit the island, she and her community of nuns saved the lives of more than a thousand storm refugees. Many people of Galveston called her. Annie gasped and looked at Jack. You won't believe this, she said. What, he said. Listen, Annie read. Many people of Galveston called her a shining light. Oh, man, said Jack, smiling. Annie turned the page and read more. After the storm, 6,000 to 12,000 people were dead or missing, and 4,000 buildings were destroyed. But the survivors of the great Galveston hurricane did not give up. In spite of their suffering, they immediately began rebuilding their homes and their lives. Rose would say, that's what Texans do, said Jack. She was so proud to live in Texas, said Annie. She kept reading. Workers also built a high seawall to help keep the sea from ever destroying Galveston again. Most amazing of all, they pumped sand from the floor of the Gulf to raise the level of the whole city. Today, Galveston is one of the best protected cities on the Gulf Coast. That's really great, said Annie. She put the book on the floor. I'd like to go there again, in our time. Me too, said Jack. I'd like to meet the great-great-grandchildren of Rose and Lucas, said Annie. And Lily, said Jack. Annie smiled. But first, I'd like to go home and see Mom and Dad. Yep, said Jack. I'd like that more than anything in the world. Annie took off the star necklace and set it on top of the Texas book. Jack pulled on his backpack and climbed down the rope ladder. Annie followed. As they started through the woods, the rain gradually stopped falling. Streams of misty sunlight slanted through the trees. Birds sang loudly. 
Remember what Mother Mary Joseph told us, said Annie. Deadly storms are terrible, but they always end. Then you start over, said Jack, and you look at the world a little differently. Yeah, like ordinary things seem more special than before, said Annie. Like comfortable shoes, said Jack. Like birds, said Annie. Like sunlight, said Jack. Like family and friends, said Annie. Like family and friends, repeated Jack. Let's hurry. He and Annie took off running through the Frog Creek woods, heading for home. The end.